Today is January 30th, 2023. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan, and I am back with another pro wrestling edition of the podcast. Again, if you're a boxing fan, you're not into this quote-unquote fake stuff, go back to the archives, dip your toes in some of the content over there. Plenty of boxing to go around. This here is a special edition. This is WrestleMania season. We are fresh off the Royal Rumble. It was fantastic. I know a lot of people had some mixed reviews. That's fine. From where I'm sitting, I thought it was a great show because of the story. It's all about the story. Let me break it all down for you in just a moment. But really quickly, I want to go through the Royal Rumble as a whole. We started off unprecedented. We started off with the men's Royal Rumble match. That is the first time that's ever happened. Going into it, I assumed it was going to close the show. That didn't happen. But what we got was a fun rumble that made future stars and really focused on the current storylines that were taking place on weekly television. This wasn't a nostalgic Royal Rumble. So from that perspective, I understand why some people didn't like it. If you were expecting a bunch of surprises, and don't get me wrong, go back and listen to the preview show. I predicted The Rock. That was my expectation. I thought The Rock was going to win this Rumble. So don't um, feel bad for expecting surprises because, of course, we all do. It's the Royal Rumble. You never know what's going to happen. That's what makes it so fun. But in hindsight, to me, focusing on the present day and the future is the right move because think back to what many consider the best era ever, which was uh, the Attitude Era in the 90s. Did we really get a whole lot of surprise Royal Rumble entrants? No, we didn't. We kind of knew the main core of guys that were going to be in it, and we had like three favorites that could win it that year. And that's what happened. Those people won it. So again, I know a lot of people predicted Cody Rhodes, and WWE made it obvious it would be Cody Rhodes with the vignettes and things like that. But predictability isn't always wrong. If it makes sense, if it's the right move, then being predictable isn't a bad thing. And I think Cody Rhodes winning it was a good choice. Was it the best choice? Maybe not. But I think it was a good choice. And aside from the winner, you made a guy in Gunther. Gunther has been dominant on SmackDown for probably the last nine months. I don't think he's lost in at least nine months. He's gone on a great run. As the Intercontinental Champion, I think he's bringing importance back to a title that used to mean a whole lot and in the last few years kind of slipped. It kind of really didn't matter who the Intercontinental Champion was. Triple H, since he's been in charge of creative, has changed that narrative along with the U.S. title. He's made it important, but that, that IC title especially has been extremely important and it has a dominant champion, and we saw that in the Royal Rumble when Gunther entered the Rumble number one. And lasted until the end. He went against number 30 in the end. In which was basically an entire match. When it came down to them too. It was like an additional match. It reminded me of the 2007 Royal Rumble. Where Undertaker and Shawn Michaels were the final two. And they also lasted like <laughs> anywhere from 7 to 10 minutes extra. Going one on one to get that final elimination. So Gunther was made in this. I think the Edge and Judgment Day storyline progressed and looks like that's going to wrap up pretty soon but that progressed at the Royal Rumble the Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar storyline progressed at the Royal Rumble there were many different subplots in there and then things that um you could use in the future like 
Seth Rollins being eliminated by Logan Paul. You think that's going to sit well with the character of Seth Rollins? He's going to go crazy. He's going to want a match against Logan Paul in the future. That sets that up. There was many elements that made you want to tune in and see what else is going to happen. What's next? Granted, we could have had a bunch of surprises for nostalgic purposes that didn't matter. But what was that going to do next month or in the next few months or next year even? They need to build future guys. And the Royal Rumble is always a great way to get a guy over, to establish how strong a character is. Johnny Gargano, another one. He didn't have too many significant moments, but he lasted a long time in the Rumble. Maybe they're going to do something with him. I know Triple H loves him from the NXT days. Maybe they do something significant with him. Um, surprises to me, as far as performance goes, was Karrion Cross. I expected him to be a little more dominant. He didn't really do much in the Rumble. Dominic Mysterio was, was a pleasant surprise. I thought he killed it. Attacking Rey Mysterio. Well, we assume it didn't show it, but assuming he attacked Rey Mysterio because he came out with his mask and Rey Mysterio never entered the Rumble. So assuming Dominic attacked his dad again, uh, they're building that up. That'll be a WrestleMania matchup. Ray versus his son. I think that's a great story that's been slowly told over the last year or so. So we're getting these long-term stories. And around WrestleMania season is the perfect time to finally get these to play out and see these, these long-building uh, feuds get wrapped up at WrestleMania. So the Men's Rumble, I enjoyed it. Didn't rely on surprises. Of course, we got Booker T., Logan Paul was a surprise, coming off an injury pretty fast. But other than that, it was it was strictly business. Everyday guys that are going to be on television playing out these stories for the foreseeable future. So I personally really liked the Rumble match because it focused on the now. And they did a good job. Putting it first told me that The Rock wasn't going to be involved in it. Because if The Rock was involved in the Rumble match, you put that on last. It did leave the door open for maybe The Rock appearing later at the main event. But when the Rumble started the show, I said, oh, The Rock's definitely not winning it. Cody Rhodes must be the winner. Because Sami Zayn, we knew, was involved in the main event. That was um, stated by Roman Reigns in the pre-show. So I didn't expect Sami Zayn to be in the Rumble. When you eliminate Sami, you eliminate The Rock. That kind of tells us that Cody was going to win it. So we'll see where they go from here. The Women's Rumble, again, I like the way that it focused on the now as well. There was a little bit more surprises in that Rumble. Michelle McCool coming out of the crowd. I thought that was pretty cool. Nia Jax at 30. And Nia Jax got a ton of heat. I think she's a monster heel. People said they were upset that she came back. People wanted her to go away. Listen, if you really want someone to go away, you don't react. Guys, she's a heel. You're booing her. That's her doing her job well. You got worked. You're a mark. If you think this go away heat stuff is real. No. You want someone to go away? Change the channel when they're on your screen, if you're at the show, go to the bathroom, text your girlfriend, sit on your hands, I don't care, but don't react if you want someone to go away. Those are the people that go away. The people that nobody gives a damn about, people that nobody even opens their lips to cheer for, whether you're booing or supporting, those are the people that go away. Nia Jax isn't going to go away by you booing her, dude. She's a heel, and I think she works tremendously in this era she could work with Becky, Bianca, Liv, any of these new up-and-coming baby faces. She could work with any of these women on the face side of the equation and have a good feud with. I don't know why people are against it. She's something unique. Also unique, Piper Niven. Piper Niven's back. I think she 
is another one who could be a beast of a heel. Finally, she got her name back. She was Dewdrop before, one of the worst names in history of WWE. She's back with her name. She's a great in-ring talent. I'm looking forward to what they do with her. Um, but it was all about Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley was the winner of this of this Royal Rumble, and rightfully so. It's all about timing, and this is the perfect time for her to become one of the faces of the division. Bianca's already established. Now it's time to make Rhea Ripley that girl, that woman, right up there with Bianca, just on the opposite spectrum, heel versus face. I think that's the direction they go. Um, granted, she could challenge Charlotte Flair. She does have a history with her. They actually had a great match in the pandemic era at WrestleMania 35, I believe. 36, rather. And they had the best match of the night. Go back and watch that match. I know it's kind of hard to watch a match with no fans. But if you're into that WrestleMania, Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley, tremendous matchup. The difference is Rhea's character, miles and miles ahead of what it was before. She, to me, is one of the most interesting things on Raw. Her... Bianca, and Seth Rollins, really, because Roman's usually on SmackDown. They're carrying Raw. Rhea Ripley, the leader of the Judgment Day, in my eyes. Great heel work as of late, and she hasn't even wrestled as often as she used to. But she showed, coming in at number one, she can go in the ring. Lasting from number one all the way to the end, her and Liv Morgan started the Rumble, and they ended the Rumble. Great storytelling there with those two being former teammates, knowing each other very well, and a great, great finish. Tremendous finish to that Royal Rumble. Also on the card, we had Bray Wyatt. I'm going to keep this one short because the match wasn't very long. Um, A lot of people hated this match. I enjoyed it, but I'm a diehard Bray Wyatt fan. I could see why a lot of people didn't like it. But Bray Wyatt, to me, needs to be that dominant force. He's eating kendo sticks to the head. Guy was a monster, walking through all of LA Knight's offense. But don't be worried. People are upset, like, oh, LA Knight's going to look like a clown. How is he going to bounce back from this? Listen, LA Knight is tremendous on the mic, he is going to get it back as soon as he touches the mic. He's going to get all that lust back that the fans had for him. Everyone was loving LA Knight. Don't worry about where LA Knight's going. He's a star. Bray Wyatt is also a star. I hope they go their separate ways so they can each branch off to bigger and better things and maybe meet again down the line. But I don't have any worries for LA Knight. He's a made man. Listen, he was killing it in his segment with The Undertaker. He was carrying the segment. That's a guy WWE has a lot of belief in, but Bray Wyatt needed this win. This was his first match back. A lot of people are kind of down on the story. Listen, let it play out. They've done a great job of telling stories. And speaking of stories, I'm going to get into that in just a few minutes. But also on that card was Bianca Belair versus Alexa Bliss. To me, this was the worst match of the night. And it wasn't a horrible match. It was just kind of boring to me. I didn't have a lot of interest in it. I kind of knew Bianca Belair was going to defend her title, as she should have. Like I said earlier, predictability isn't always bad. Bianca Belair, rightfully so, defended the title, and then you had a little um, Uncle Howdy segment with Alexa Bliss. Once Bianca was away from the ring, kind of separating Bianca from that stuff and moving Alexa Bliss into a different direction. We'll see where they go from here. Again, let it play out. But this show ended perfectly with Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns for the undisputed Universal WWE Championship. This match was physical. This match was rough. Even had a botch by Kevin Owens. And the thing with botches, I'm not, is it crazy? I'm not 
all against botches. I know people laugh at botches a lot of time, and some of them are funny. But when you're in a fight, and you're in a, a struggle, and you're in an athletic event in general, things are going to happen. You're going to slip up. That's why they call it a high-risk maneuver. To me, when there's some sort of like edginess or unpolished, I should say, when things aren't, don't go exactly as planned, I like that. Granted, Uncle Howdy botch, when he completely miss a guy, that's a bad botch. But Kevin Owens doing a moonsault, I mean, that could happen. Dude slipped up. I mean, you're, you're trying to do something out of the ordinary to inflict, uh, inflict punishment on your enemy in the story. You slip up. You take a high-risk maneuver, and it doesn't pay off. Luckily, no one got injured. But I didn't mind that botch in the course of the match. It was just something that happened. And uh, Roman Reigns did a great job of rolling out of the way at the same time. So um, this match was physical, man. This match was rough, like I said. Dude was getting his head slammed into the back of the steps. I don't know how many spears he ate, how many Superman punches. He took a beating. But this was a vicious, vicious side of Roman Reigns. And then the beatdown afterwards was off the charts. The only thing it was missing, and I texted a friend of mine, the only thing this beatdown of Kevin Owens was missing was blood. If he would have bladed, actually, even if you got to do it the hard way, Kevin Owens needed to leak some blood here. That's the only thing that could have made this segment any better. It was picture perfect. Literally, that's the only thing that could have made it better. That would have been incredible, but the story in general that they told, wow. I mean, WWE will hit you over the head with some goofy stuff that's laughable, over the top, incoherent, or sometimes just uninteresting in general, but when they get it right, when WWE gets a story right like they did or they are doing currently, not just the Royal Rumble segment, but currently this entire story. They hit it out of the park. This bloodline angle has been the most intricate and well thought out story in quite some time. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, so I will continue to let it play out before I officially rank it. That'll certainly be a topic on the future wrestling podcast. There's a cheap plug right there. The wrestling podcast with Kevin and I, friend of mine, Kevin, who's a Attitude Era Extraordinaire. That podcast is coming this year. So that'll be a topic on a future episode of that. But one thing I will say about this storyline is it's special. That's for sure. We're in the midst of championship weekend in the NFL. Super Bowl is only a couple weeks away. And I'm thinking about a WWE storyline. I couldn't tell you when the last time that happened was. Not to this level. It's because this time, everything has been carefully thought out. Not only has it been thought out well, it's been executed to perfection. Then when you actually get into the details and peel back the layers of this thing, it's even more impressive than meets the naked eye. Let's just talk about that segment real quick at the Royal Rumble. The handcuffs by Paul Heyman. They handcuff Kevin Owens. Even the handcuffs was well thought out. Years ago at the same event, the Royal Rumble, in the early stages of this title reign, Paul Heyman 
was helping Roman Reigns handcuff Kevin Owens. Or was it Kevin? I don't know if it was he was handcuffing Kevin Owens, actually, or if it was Roman Reigns that was handcuffed. But Heyman was struggling with the keys to the handcuffs. It's a nice little callback that I immediately went back to when they pulled out the handcuffs. Then the significance of the steel chair. When Sami Zayn finally pulls the trigger and hits Roman with the steel chair, it brings back memories of when Seth Rollins stabbed Roman Reigns in the back years and years ago that ended the shield as we knew it. It's almost like Roman had PTSD, because look at the chair shot. It was a solid shot, but it wasn't like Sammy was swinging for the fences. It was like a, a statement chair shot. Like, no, I'm not doing what, you, what you're asking me to do. I'm not going to that. I'm not crossing that line. I'm not going to sit here and continue to destroy my former best friend, Kevin Owens. You already proved your point. They're damn near killing the guy at this point. So he hits Roman with the chair and, and Roman's reaction. It's like it's not like that shot knocked him out, but it was like almost PTSD where he's thinking back to, wow, this is like when Rollins hit me with the chair. Like, what is going on here? Months prior to that, Kevin Owens tells Sami Zayn, this is a part where Jay Uso was listening in on a conversation. Kevin Owens told Sammy, hey, don't wait for them to turn on you. I would strike first. And Sammy kind of was pushed to that limit. It's not like you turn on the bloodline, but he had no choice. He had to strike first because he knew if he didn't do what they asked, they were going to take him out anyway. So he wanted to make that statement saying, listen, I'm not doing this to my former best friend. You're going to have to take me out with him. But this story began with Jay Uso. That is why Jay Uso's reaction to the Royal Rumble was so significant. Dating back to the beginning of this Roman Reigns heel turn, it was Jay saying Roman was acting differently. When Roman initially turned heel, it was Roman versus Jay that began this entire bloodline faction. Where Jay didn't want to fall in line. He didn't want to just listen to everything Roman said. But Roman beat him into submission. Literally. They had a fantastic Hell in a Cell I Quit match. He beat him into submission. It was during the pandemic era. So I don't know if a lot of people saw it. But if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you're a diehard wrestling fan. But for those of you who may not be. They had a great Hell in a Cell match. With I quit rules. Jay Uso fought a hell of a match. But he refused to quit. He would never quit. To his cousin Roman. He would never acknowledge him as the tribal chief. So Jay only quits. Because Jimmy Uso comes out. Who is fresh off of a surgery. He wasn't cleared to wrestle yet. He runs out. Towards the end of the match intervenes to try and talk some sense into Roman, saying, we love you, man. You don't have to do this. You're going too far. Roman pretends he's he's agreeing with Jimmy, but then he retaliates by choking Jimmy out until Jay, who is already beaten down, looks over, sees his brother getting choked out, and the only way to save his brother is to say, I quit. I give up. You win. I acknowledge you 
as the tribal chief. That's how this whole start thing starts. So Jay has always held that grudge against Roman. If you've been paying attention, you've noticed. But he held it together for the family and for the success that he was a part of. Because he was benefiting as well. He became main event Jay Uso. He was headlining pay-per-views. He was headlining many editions of SmackDown. He was willing to bite his tongue. But at times, that passion and his true feelings, they came out. Here and there, it came out. Jay sees himself as Alpha. He doesn't think Roman is as good as he thinks he is. After all, it was Jay who saves Roman many times to help him retain that championship. During this whole reign, Jay has helped Roman more than anybody. But Jay put the honor of his family over his own beliefs, which is why he was so skeptical of Sammy joining the bloodline. It was Jay who always questioned what Sammy did. Everything he did, he was looking at him sideways from day one. Day one-ish. He said Sammy wasn't part of the family. Sammy was a snake trying to destroy them from within. While Jimmy always embraced Sammy. Jimmy and Sammy had their own handshake and everything. While Jay wouldn't even embrace Sammy, Jimmy was buddy-buddy with him. Saying, hey, this, this is a good guy. Like, why are you so tense? Why are you so mad, Jay? But once Sammy earned Jay's trust at Survivor Series, Jay looked at Sammy like his own brother. Jay was finally willing to ride or die with Sammy more than anyone because he knew he was loyal. It was Jay who hugged Sammy at Survivor Series. It was Jay who told Sammy to disobey a direct order from the tribal, the tribal chief on SmackDown. That was Jay. And Sammy said, whatever you need, I got you. And Jimmy said, I mean, excuse me, Jay said, all right, well, I need you to do something that goes against what Roman asked you to do. Because Jay knew Sammy would come through for the family no matter what. He knew he was loyal. And Jimmy was the one who kind of felt jealous of how close Jay and Sammy became. So at the Royal Rumble, it's Jay holding back Jimmy. When Roman first pushes Sammy, Jay's holding Jimmy back. And then when Sammy hits Roman with the chair, it's Jay screaming, why? Why would you do this to Sammy? And notice, Sammy only apologizes to Jay. He's sorry he let Jay down. He didn't want to do this, but he was forced to. And it's Jimmy who super kicks Sammy. He's the first person to touch Sammy. Even though Jimmy was closest with Sammy from day one, Jimmy was the one who said, nah, you're done here. He screams in Jay's face in a jealous rage, if you ask me. He screams in his face, that's your brother? No, I'm your brother. Before he continues to assault Sammy Zayn. That goes back to when Jimmy was talking to Roman Reigns backstage. And he told him, hey, I like Sammy. I like Sammy a lot. But I love the bloodline. I love this family. So he never looked at Sammy as a member of the family. He never loved Sammy like Jay grew to love Sammy. This story can go so many different ways because there's so many layers I'm not even getting into every little detail, but those are the things 
that I noticed. And you got Solo there. Like, how does he feel about all this? We just got to let it play out, though. Like I said, Raw's tonight. A lot of things can happen tonight. We just have to trust Triple H with the book because he's gotten us this far. Him and Vince before that and, and Paul Heyman, I'm sure, who has a huge impact, and Roman himself, who um, not too long ago, I think it was a couple years ago, actually. It was in 2021, actually. In 2021, Roman had an interview with Ariel Hawani, and he mentioned Sami Zayn by name as someone who needs more TV time, who, who is a guy who always cracks him up, and he really is a big fan of Sami. So you know Roman has a huge impact on this story as well. We got to trust where these guys are going to take us because so far they've been killing it. Triple H has had intricate stories like this told before. In NXT, he created another all-time storyline with uh, Gargano and Ciampa. And like I said earlier, predictable isn't always bad as long as it makes sense. We knew a turn was happening, but we didn't know when. If you think you know when, you're lying. Because it could have happened when Sammy became an honorary ooze when he got that t-shirt. That was a tease right there. We thought they were going to jump him. It could have happened at Survivor Series. It could have happened at Raw 30. Like There was plenty of opportunity for this happen, to happen, but it was perfectly dragged until the Rumble. And it's still, it's not like it's over. People are talking like this is over. There's still a ways to go, if you ask me. And we're officially kicking off the road to WrestleMania with this this angle here. People calling it predictable and just funny to me because if it's so predictable, where is it going next? There's so many options. We all can guess, but we really don't know. Is Jay still in the bloodline? How does Solo feel about this? Like, what's Solo going to do? This guy doesn't talk. He's a savage. <laughs> we don't know what he's going to do. Has Roman pushed the family too far? Are they still trusting him? Does Sammy get a shot at Roman? If so, when does it happen? The Elimination Chamber's in his hometown, in Montreal. So where are we going to go from here? That's the question. What's the stipulation of these matches? That's another thing. Like, They could have easily all been in on it and just jumped Sammy, but they weren't. He didn't want to turn. He was forced to turn. He wasn't in on it with KO this whole time. He wasn't a snake. He had no choice. The emotion showed these guys truly wanted Sammy with them. But Sammy just couldn't go as far as Roman wanted him to go. He has morals in, in storyline, not real life. But Sammy's willing, they're not going to die in a match. But Sammy was willing to die for his beliefs. He was willing to get assaulted and destroyed and, and brutalized for what he believed in. He didn't even try and fight back, really. He just hit him with the chair and said, yep, take me. Like, I'm going out too. The commentary on this whole show, though, by the way, was excellent as well. I forgot to mention that. The return of Pat McAfee, great. He made this moment, or they all made this moment together, even better. Because it reminded me kind of my favorite Rumble from 1992. I love to watch that one back. Where the commentary from Bobby the Brain Heenan elevated the show. This was similar. And in no way am I comparing McAfee to Bobby Heenan. But he's the best we got present day. And that's no disrespect to Corey Graves because he's really good as well. But they, especially Pat McAfee, made this moment great as well. My only complaint was uh, WWE really leading into the Rock rumors. It got me, of course, too. I'm not just saying that because I predicted it. But 
while he himself said beforehand he wasn't appearing at, at the Rumble, WWE didn't do anything to really confirm that. It's not their job to address rumors, but like the electrifying graphic they had for the Rumble, along with the, the YouTube account of WWE posting a bunch of rock stuff all around that time, and new merchandise for the rock. Like, they were really leaning into it. But for fans who don't follow the product regularly, I get why they were disappointed in the show. Um, They tuned in for The Rock, probably, or even other big surprises. But when you're invested in this story, like I just broke it down, the way it's it's playing out is just brilliant. It was so well done, in fact. I think The Rock appearing could have overshadowed it. Could have really taken away from the performances from Jay and Sammy and the Bloodline as a whole. Because now the conversations are all about this story. It's not about The Rock. It's not about um, nostalgic feelings for like one-off returns from already established guys. This is a story that can make everyone involved in it. I can't wait to see how it plays out. Tonight on Raw, I'm sure they'll address some part of it. Again, you have Cody Rhodes who won the Rumble. How's he going to play into it? This could be the first time where Roman has to deal with multiple challengers at once. Since he holds two belts, since WrestleMania is two nights, they could very well do two different guys from different areas like coming at him. Like One guy's coming at him from the inside of his family. Another guy's coming just for the title, like a mercenary. Cody Rhodes doesn't care about Roman Reigns. He cares about the championship. He's here to win the title. His dad never won. There's so many layers in this. We have the chamber coming up. We could do a one-on-one match there. We could do a chamber with all of the Bloodline guys in it. Like, how crazy would that be? you got six members of the Bloodline. Have them all in it. The Usos, Solo, Roman Reigns, Sammy, and then, oh, yeah, five members of the Bloodline and Kevin Owens. So we have six guys there. See who's on whose side. Is Jay still with us? Is he not? They have the free bird rule that they already established with the titles. So there's an open scenario where Jay could leave the Bloodline and Jimmy and Solo can defend the tag titles. There's a, there's a way, there's a loophole for that to happen. There's so many seeds planted here. I wonder how it's going to be. But I think Jay Uso could be the one. He started this feud. He started this, this story, I should say. He could be the one to end it. Looking at Sammy as kind of a motivation. Like, listen, this guy had the courage that I didn't have. He stepped up to Roman when I kind of gave up. I, Jay stepped up to him early, but he fell in line eventually. Sammy fell in line, but he wasn't willing to go as far as Roman wanted him to. But hey, we're going to have to see. Sammy and Roman at, at WrestleMania would do big business. I'm just worried about where they would go from there. But these guys, Triple H especially, as the head of creative, have earned my trust. They've built this story for years. I'm willing to see how it plays out. I trust them now. I trust WWE more than I've trusted them in a very long time. I think you should too. Sit back. Enjoy the road to WrestleMania. I think it's going to be great. But that's all I got for you guys this weekend. Tune in next week. We will have more boxing on the way as far as wrestling. We'll see how things go. If something plays out crazy tonight, maybe I'll be back recording another episode. If you're just a boxing fan and you stuck through that entire wrestling edition, I really appreciate it. Give me that five-star review. 
Tell a friend to tell a friend. Subscribe, like it, do all that crap. Your boy's out.